You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, we've had the opportunity to talk to so many people over the years, and we've interviewed a number of people, and both young people, older people, many who've been in the organization for many years. And young people have a very special place in our heart because these are the people who now can make a very big difference in their lives because they have time on their hand. One interview we did is the young man, Ryan. Ryan will share with us a story of the pain, the suffering, and actually how he was able to survive, which lets all of us know that regardless of what we are experiencing by being a part of this religion, there is a brighter side. Well, we want Ryan to share with us what it's been like. Ryan, share with us your story. There's a lot of different factors that were making me depressed, you know, within the organization and the culture. I mean, I, did, I felt like I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I felt like, because I pioneered right after high school. And for five years, I pioneered. I mean, I didn't have any skills. I had to get part-time jobs. But then, and pioneers, 70 hours. And I, and then I found out, like, I don't know how anyone can pioneer and work part-time. <laughs> like, I had to work full-time and then pioneer full-time. So I just so I can provide for myself. And I don't know, I still didn't have a savings. And I don't know, it was hard to juggle all these things. The reason that Ryan was so frustrated is because, like all Jehovah's Witness young people, they are simply taught to become regular pioneers. They're not mentored to do anything else. In in 2019, um, yeah, they had that video of the showing the the young person, the young one, how he rejected um, a video editing job because that would be seeking like a career and instead of pioneering right after high school. And you know, they even told him in the video in the, that oh yeah, after a, a couple of years, you can choose your own schedule and you could even work part time. And he was like, nope, I need to pioneer. And so he would, he wanted to serve Jehovah. You going to talk to any Green Day people? Uh, I don't think so. Look, I know you got a part-time job lined up and you're going to pioneer. Yeah, so... So the video production people are here. I'm sure they have part-time. Yeah, I still don't know. Look, Dennis, you're good at it. Besides, they do corporate videos. Nothing bad. Come on, just talk to them. Oh, well, I'd like to start part-time. It's doable, but after you're established, after a few years of hard work and dedication, you'll be able to pick your own jobs and you'll even get to set your own schedule. Yeah, that makes sense. Hey, thanks so much for your time. One second, before you leave, just so you know, here's what you can make in your first year. My advice, try not to get too caught up in the sacrifice. Think about the payback. The average experienced videographer in the United States makes about 70000 a year. Minus taxes, we're talking about $55,000. Money. No. Wealth. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5. Do not wear yourself out to gain wealth, 
stop and show understanding. When you cast your eyes on it, it is not there. For it will surely sprout wings like an eagle and fly off into the sky. According to the Watchtower, this makes this young man wealthy and rich. At least he can afford a better running car. I was like, that something, this is not right. And I told an elder, like, that really bothered me. I'm like, I asked the elder, what's wrong with working a full time right after high school? Like, why do you have, why do we have to pioneer after high school? And he says, well, we're so close. He was also a regular pioneer. He was an elder and regular pioneer, him and his wife, since probably since they graduated high school. <laughs> but he told me like, oh, but the end is so near that like, it's not worth it. And I told him, I was like, but isn't it good to still plan for the future, you know, and like, cause I don't have any retirement. And sometimes I feel bad. Like, I feel like it's a sin if you, if you want to have a retirement. And he told me that he doesn't have a retirement and that he'll be working for the rest of his life. But he's, he's glad that the, the end is near. It's like, well, when elders tell you something, you see it like it's from Jehovah or like this is, even though they're just giving their opinion, like you see it as, as truth. And, and so it really affected my self-esteem. Like, oh, not only am I a failure spiritually, because it's a struggle to get all my hours, you know, not only am I struggling with making a living and all these things, it's like, and I'm not good enough to get married or to date. I woke up the following year during COVID after wow. seeing that video. You know, it's very sad because he went to someone for advice because he realized, look, I have no money. And what was he told? Don't stop pioneering. I have no retirement either. I'm just going to keep on working. And see, this is the type of culture and advice that young people are given in this organization. And in the long run, it always ends up hurting them. You know, I wanted to do something more with my life. You know, even as a Jehovah's Witness, I wanted more for myself, but I just didn't think it was possible. I thought I could, it, it was something I couldn't even think about. And, but once I decided that I wanted to be a dog trainer, I remember telling some of the friends in the congregation and or friends in my circle, and their first reaction was, well, is it going to let you pioneer after? So after you become a dog trainer, will it let you pioneer? <laughs> And I already had to come off of the list because of my mental health. You know, I had to step down as a servant for my mental health too. You know, I already felt like a failure enough for having to step down from those um, things. But then to want to have more for my career or to feel good about myself, you know, that wasn't just spiritual things. Uh, you know, that made me feel bad when people told me that. And then, you know, I was a Jehovah's Witness, and but I still wanted to pursue it. And so I found a mentor that could help me with dog training. And, you know, he told me he would teach me um, police dog training and, um, you know, just all sorts of stuff. My very first reaction, you know, in my mind was, oh, well, I don't know if I can do this because you know, witnesses were not supposed to be in anything involved with the police. You know, what if I stumble someone? What if I hurt their conscience? You know, because I'm doing police training. 
for dogs, you know, and don't, aren't police dogs like violent or, you know, <laughs> and I'm thinking like, oh, I can't do this. And I remember I had to ask an elder for permission almost like, hey, can I do this? Because I don't know if I can. <laughs> you, you know, you get different answers from different people, but, you know. Yes, a grown man, grown woman feeling I need to get permission. And this is part of the culture of Jehovah's Witnesses. As a former elder, I was always being asked, Brother JT, can we do that? Because the witness wants to make sure that they're in step with whatever the organization says. So then I just decided, you know, I'm just going to do it. You know, I'll just keep low profile. I won't tell people I do police dog training. I'll just say, well, I just do pets. Did you notice how he just realized, I just got to keep it simple. I train pets. Why? Because in this organization, people will be in your business. And then I remember I, when I did the mentorship, you know, I felt guilty because I was like, oh, man, all this extra time with worldly people, <laughs> non-witness people. And like, uh, I don't know if Jehovah's okay with this. And yeah, I was d doubting myself and it was hard to focus on my career with all these layers affecting me. That's the type of culture and how a person has to live their life when they're part of this religion. And, and that's what it was like for me. But, but then after that came the anger phase. Like I became so angry, but I feel like it was rightfully angry. I was angry for a lot of the people that have been hurt by some of these policies or some of the culture that we grew accustomed with and we thought it was normal when really it wasn't normal you know i thought it was normal but <laughs> that's far from the truth and so uh yeah that anger phase would come and go come and go all i remember is that I was so depressed and, and sad inside the organization and I had no idea why. I always thought the problem was me or, you know, I'm not good enough or I don't love Jehovah enough. I'm not doing enough. And so the problem was me. And But once I found out that there's more than one way to look at things, you know, whether this is a true religion or not or once I found out it wasn't the truth, and or it was highly probable it was not the truth, was once I found out that, like, you wouldn't believe it, my depression went away. What? My depression went away. Like I was depressed for for years. Like I even tried going to the therapist, and while I was Jehovah's Witness, and. He, he, he couldn't help me. I felt like he couldn't help me and he didn't understand what I was going through or how I felt. But at the same time, I didn't want to give a bad impression to the religion. And so I was watering down my comments to him. I wasn't really telling him everything. So that made it really difficult because he can't help me if I'm not being completely honest. And, you know, and I would feel guilty if I even said something negative about my culture or my religion that I was a part of, even though I felt deep down inside like that was the root cause. Yes, maintaining the proper image of the brand. 
We have heard this so many times before with other individuals. When they went to talk to a therapist, they did the same thing. They didn't tell them everything because they didn't want to make the organization look bad. And so, but after I woke up, I felt this peace. Like, I don't have to do all these hours anymore. Or I don't have to worry what people think anymore. Like, I don't need to stress anymore. So it's like this big burden was taken off of me. I remember thinking um, after I woke up, like I was so depressed. It's like on one hand, I was really happy to feel free and to feel like I have my life back. But on the other hand, I was so absorbed in my family not making the same decision or the same conclusion that I came to. And so, like, I remember, like, because I really love my sister and I care about my sister. And I want her to understand so bad that I even wrote her a letter. And while I was disfellowshipped, um, because I thought, well, maybe this is my only chance to try to help her because they're not talking to me. And so I'm just going to write everything in a letter, you know, A to Z, put everything, you know, and I, it was like an electronic letter. It even had videos embedded into the, the site. So I, and so I put every video you can think of and <laughs> I put so much hours into it, but it just broke her heart. And it um it actually um made her lose trust in me and th there's some trauma she's dealing with now because of the letter but you know that wasn't my intention yes when ryan woke up he like all of us we want to tell everybody what we know but one of the sad things is we often find out how quickly you can't do that and in his effort to help his sister, in our effort to help family and friends, we often create more problems because we simply just overwhelm them with the information that we may know. And he learned a very valuable lesson. In fact, it's something that Lady C and I, we tell people all the time. When it comes to family and friends, you have to move very cautiously because too much information will simply overwhelm them. I realize um that I can't be consumed with that trying to get pe trying to help others. I mean, it's good to help others, but I realize like I need to help myself first. You know, you can't help others until you help yourself. And so, so that's what I was struggling with and wrestling with, you know, how can I help myself? And I mean, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's not like I, I don't want to help my family still or other people. Uh, sometimes I still find myself thinking that way, but it's no longer um, like a focus or it doesn't consume my mind. You know, I'm more interested in moving on with my life and trying to be a better person, the best version of myself and a happier version of myself and learning how to deal with trials easier and in a more effective way and how I can be a better friend to other people. And I don't know, there's a lot of things I can work on and 
and also you know setting goals financially and all of those things. We hope that you've enjoyed Ryan's story of how he realized I am not the one to blame, but it's actually the information that he had been given for decades. And so today, like Ryan, we want to be critical thinkers. Stop, re-examine what we have been taught all of these years, and you will find what so many of us have found, that there is a better way than what we have been taught. This has been JT. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.